السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي ربنا زدنا علما Lesson number 90 Surah Al-A'raf ayah number 40 to 53 Inna indeed alladhina those people who kadhabu they belied they rejected bi ayatina with our verses wastakbaru and they were arrogant anha from it la not tufattahu it shall be opened lahum for them abwabu doors as-samai of the sky wala and nor yadkhuluna they will enter al-jannah the paradise hatta until yalija he passes al-jamalu the camel fi in sammi i hole al-khiyat of the needle wa kadhalika and thus najzi we shall recompense al-mujrimin the criminals who is being mentioned in this ayah those people who kadhabu bi ayatina who reject who belie the verses of allah the ayat of allah and the ayat of allah are two kinds kauni ayat and shar'i ayat so whether it is the signs that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created that prove to us the existence of allah the lordship of allah the oneness of allah or it is the verses that allah has revealed the miracles that he gave to his prophets and they showed those miracles whatever ayat those people who refuse to believe in those ayat who call the ayat a lie wastakbaru anha and they're too arrogant towards them meaning they don't humble themselves in order to accept those ayat because in order to accept something great what happens you need to lower yourself you need to humble yourself think about it if you want to take a sip of water from a glass then in order to drink what's necessary that your mouth be lower than the glass than the cup isn't it and if you keep your mouth above the cup you won't be able to drink anything out of the glass unless you have a straw right so in order to receive something you have to lower yourself in order to receive and accept the verses of allah you have to lower yourself sometimes it means you have to accept your mistake that yes i was wrong sometimes it means that yes i will change my habits i will change the way i do this the way i do that why because i want to accept the ayat that allah has sent but those people who remain arrogant who refuse to lower themselves and instead they belittle the verses of allah they make fun of them they think of themselves as too high and too great to accept the verses then allah says that la tufattahu lahum abwabu as-samaa the doors of the sky they shall never be open for them the sky as we know that there are seven skies as-samawat and remember that the word as-samawat is used for the skies and the word jannah is used for heaven paradise Paradise, heaven, Jannah, 
is different. And as-samawat, the skies above us, they are different. Alright? Now there are seven skies that we learn about from the Qur'an and Sunnah. How? Where are they? What kind of skies are they? Allahu a'lam. What we see above us, the blue sky, that is what? As-sama'a dunya. The sky of this world. The lowest heaven. The lowest sky. That is what we see. That is what we are limited to. Right? Meaning that is what we know about. We don't know about what is beyond all of this. But we know that the scientists do acknowledge that there is much more beyond all of this. What is it? How is it? What is it like? Allahu a'lam. So the samawat, we learn about the samawat from the Qur'an and sunnah that they also have abwab, doors. What kind of doors are they? What kind of gates are they? We don't know. And we can't know. Because this is of the matters of the unseen. The Prophet ﷺ, when he was taken on the night journey, what happened? He was taken from one sky to the other. The doors were opened up for him. He was taken from one to the other to the other. So it seems that one sky cannot be crossed except through the doors. Right? Now, as human beings, we cannot discover those doors. We cannot know where they are, what they are like. Allahu a'lam. It is of the matters of the unseen. But because it is mentioned in the Qur'an, we believe in it. Why? Because Allah has said so. What is it like? We don't know. Can we see it? Don't know. Allahu a'lam. But we believe in it. So anyway, we learn over here that the doors of the sky will not be opened for such people. Meaning that when something from them, meaning something that has come from these people, needs to be taken up to the heavens, taken up through the skies, above all the way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order to be accepted, in order to be rewarded, in order to be granted. No, their deeds, their du'as, they are not allowed to pass through. Because people are not going to be taken through. Alright? People are not going to be taken through the skies. But what is it that ascends from the people? It is their good deeds. It is their supplications. Like for example, when it comes to the good deeds, we learn from Surah Fatur, Ayah 10, that إِلَيْهِ يَصْعَدُ الْكَلِمُ الطَّيِّبُ وَالْعَمَلُ الصَّالِحُ يَرْفَعُهُ That good speech, it ascends to Allah. When a person says something good, for instance, he recites the Qur'an, he says good words, he remembers Allah, then these good words are immediately taken up to Allah. So they are taken up through the doors of the skies, all the way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? In order to be granted acceptance, in order to be rewarded. But such people, if they say something good, if they perform a good deed, then they are not, as soon as they reach the skies, the doors are not opened up. They are refused any entry. So what does it mean then? Their good deeds are not accepted by Allah. Their good deeds are not accepted by Allah. Because what's the condition of good deeds? Two conditions, right? What? Sincerity and conformity. For example, in order to be a Muslim, a person says, Ashhadu. Allah ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah. This is the first pillar of Islam. And this is the foundation. 
Because when he says, أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Then what does it mean? That Allah is the only God, and whatever I do, I do it for Him alone. Not dedicating my action to anyone but Allah. So this means there will be sincerity in the action. When a person says, وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدَ الرَّسُولُ اللَّهِ I testify that Muhammad وسلم is a messenger of Allah. Then what does it mean? That whatever I will do, I will do it according to how he has taught it. According to how he did it. So belief in Allah, it leads to sincerity. And belief in the messenger وسلم, it leads to following his ways. And if these two conditions are not met, then a deed cannot be given the title of Amal Salih. It can be an Amal, but it's not Amal Salih. It could be the Amal of charity. It could be the Amal of a big smile. It could be the Amal of helping someone. It could be the Amal of saving someone's life. It's an Amal. It's an effort. It's a deed. But if it's not done for Allah, if it's not done according to the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, then it cannot be granted the title of Amal Salih. So those people who are arrogant, who refuse to believe in the verses of Allah, then such people, even if they commit a great deed, it will not be taken up to Allah. It will not be accepted by Allah. It will not be granted any reward, any merit by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, if they make a dua, when a person makes a dua, that dua is also taken up to Allah. Remember when Yunus was in the belly of the fish, he made dua, and the angel said, very familiar voice coming from very far away. Which angels were they? Up in the heavens, right? The angels that were by the doors, and from where the dua was being taken up to Allah for acceptance. But when a person is like this, then his dua is not accepted. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned a man having journeyed far. Journeyed far. He is disheveled and dusty. And who spreads out his hands to the sky saying, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb. He makes dua to Allah. But his food is haram. His drink is haram. His clothing is haram. His nourishment is haram. So how can his dua be answered? How? La تُفَتَّحُ لَهُمْ أَبْوَابُ السَّمَاءِ The doors of the sky will not be open for them. When the angels receive such a dua to be passed on to the upper heaven, what happens? They say, no, we're not going to let this go through because it doesn't meet the criteria. It doesn't meet the criteria. It's like if you go to a particular country and you need a visa for it. You think on a Canadian passport you can go, but you find out that on arrival you have to have visa. For instance, what will happen? You can say, I'm a Canadian citizen. And look, I have my children with me. I have my luggage with me. I've been traveling since day before yesterday. Such a long flight. They'll say, sorry, we cannot let you in. Sorry, we cannot grant you entry. You are being refused entry. And you have to go back. You cannot come in here. Why? Because you don't meet the criteria. You don't meet the criteria. If someone doesn't have a Canadian passport, right, and they don't have American visa, and they drive to Niagara Falls, all right, then what will happen? Like it happened with me, that I was visiting Canada, I had my visit visa, and we were going to Niagara Falls, and the sister who was driving by accident, she went on the wrong road. She took the wrong turn. So we ended up on American border. 
And they're like, you guys want to come? We're like, no, no, we just want to go back. This was an accident. They're like, but you have to go through immigration now. Like, we don't even have our passports. We're just going to go to the falls. Like, no, you have to go through the immigration. So it took so long. It was an accident, an honest mistake. But if you don't have the right documents, you cannot go. You cannot cross the border. Right? No matter who you are. No matter who you are. If you don't meet the criteria, you cannot go through. If this is the case in this world, if this is the case with worldly borders, then what about the borders of the sky? If a good deed doesn't meet the criteria, if it's not done for the sake of Allah, if it's not done according to the sunnah, then how do we think our deeds, our prayers will be accepted just like that? لا تفتح لهم أبواب السماء. They will not be open for them. And one more thing, that the doors of the sky will not be open for who? For their souls. Because when a person dies and his soul is taken out by the angels, the angels take the soul up to the heavens, as we learn from the hadith. And what happens is that when they take the soul to the sky, the gates are to be opened. And then the soul is lifted up to the next, to the next, to the next. I'll mention the hadith to you. The angels ascend with the believer's soul. And as they pass by the gathering of angels, those angels, they ask, who is this good soul? Who is this good person? They reply, he is so and so, the son of so and so, using the best names with which he had been addressed in worldly life. When they reach the lowest heaven, they request admission and the gates open for them. And the most elite angels from each heaven escort him to the next one, the soul of the righteous person, until he reaches the seventh heaven. And then Allah says, write my servant's record that he will be amongst their iliyun. Iliyun is a place where the souls of the righteous will be until the day of judgment. Thus his record is inscribed that he will be in iliyun. And the angels are told, take him back to earth because I promised them that from it we created them in it we shall return them, and from it we raise them a second time. So then the soul, after being taken up to the heavens, to meet Allah, right? in the sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides the person's fate as to where he will go, or somewhere else. Will he receive reward until the day of judgment, or will he suffer punishment until the day of judgment? So there is a trip to the heavens. There is a book by Muhammad al-Jibali on Barzakh, the life of al-Barzakh. I recommend that you get that book, Find that book, it's available in our bookstore as well. And there is a whole section on the trip to the heaven. Right? Because this is a reality, this is something that every single one of us will go through. So this is what happens to the righteous person's soul. It's taken up. The angels, they escort him. They praise him. They take him all the way up. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, take him to their illayun. And then what happens? His soul is brought down. Where? To the grave. And then the person's hisab is taken. And then the soul is deposited wherever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decided for it until the day of judgment. And when it comes to the soul of a sinful person, an unbelieving person, then the angels ascend with that soul. And as they pass by gatherings of angels, those angels ask, who is this malicious soul? They respond, so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, using the worst names with which he had been addressed in the worldly life. When they reach the lowest heaven, they request admission. But the gates are not open for him. The gates are not open for him. Imagine, so far removed from Allah. 
They're not open. And Allah says, write his record that he will be in Sijin, prison in the lowest earth. And they are told, take him back to earth. Because I promised them, from it we created them, into it we shall return them, and from it we raise them a second time. So then his soul is not just taken down from the first heaven. Rather it is cast down, it is thrown down without any regard. And it falls into his body. And as for the mushrik, we learn about him in the Qur'an, that as if he plunges down from the skies, whereupon birds snatch him off, or the wind casts him away to a place far removed from Allah's mercy. So then he is restored to the body, his test is taken, the three questions are asked, and then the soul is deposited wherever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed for it to remain until the day of judgment. So, what do we learn over here? That la تُفَتَّحُ لَهُمْ أَبْوَابُ السَّمَاءِ The doors of the sky will not open for them. They will not be granted this honor of being taken up, of being ascended. Imagine if somebody is going up, right? If you're going up, and all of a sudden you're told, no, you can't go up now. You have to go away from here. You have to stop. And other people are being granted admission. And you are not being allowed to go. What humiliation! Has it ever happened that you're entering through a door and because the door is automatic, it just shuts before you. It just shuts before you. It was an automatic door. Perhaps it didn't sense you. But just the fact that a door shut before you, and you were not able to enter, it's so humiliating. So humiliating. Has it ever happened that you're going to a conference, and you're about to enter, and they ask you, where's your pass? And you're like, it was right here. I can't find it. I can't find it. They're like, sorry sister, can't let you in. And they're like, but come on. Like, I can't let you in. You don't have your pass. I cannot let you in. How does that feel? You're frustrated, you're angry, but at the same time, it's quite embarrassing. That everybody's going in and here you are, standing, without being given the permission to enter. So, لا تفتحوا لهم أبواب السماء ولا يدخلون الجنة In the hereafter, Allah says, they shall not enter paradise. Right now, their deeds are not allowed to ascend. Their prayers don't ascend. Their souls shall not ascend. And in the hereafter, they shall never enter Jannah. And this is a fact. Their entry into paradise is impossible. How impossible? What's the metaphor that Allah gives to us over here? An example by which we can understand how impossible it is for such people to enter paradise? It's as impossible as a camel passing through the eye of a needle. Yalija, from waw lam jim, wuluj, to enter, to pass through. Al-jama, camel. Fi sammil khiyat, sam, sim, mi, mim, hole. And khiyat, needle, khayata. The hole of a needle. Have you ever seen a needle with which people stitch clothes? Have you ever seen it? How big, or rather how small is the hole? And have you ever tried to pass a thread through that hole? Did you manage to get it through the first time? How many attempts did it take you? Several perhaps. Imagine, not something as thin as a thread, but something as big as a camel. Can it ever pass through the eye of a needle? Is it physically possible? Is it possible at all? It's impossible. 
If it was, you know, something like uh, dough, okay, you could make it really small, you could make sure that it becomes really thin, and then manage to pass it through the eye of the needle. But a camel with massive bones, how can you squeeze it? How can you shrink it? How can you make it small? How can you ever make it pass through the eye of a needle? It is impossible. And just like that, these people, their entry into Jannah is impossible. So it is as though we are being told, have no doubt about this. No. And know very clearly that people who have such behavior with the verses of Allah, with the commands that Allah has given, they shall never ever enter Jannah. لَا يَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةِ حَتَّى يَلِجَ الْجَمَلُ فِي سَمِّ الْخِيَاطِ And if they don't enter Jannah, then where are they going to go? Where are they going to end up? What's the other option? The only other option, hellfire. Because in the hereafter, there are only two options. Either a person goes to heaven, or he goes to hell. And if he's not going to heaven, where is he going? Hellfire. Their entry into paradise is impossible. And those who are righteous, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us about them? مُفَدَّحَةٌ لَهُمُ الْأَبْوَابِ The doors of paradise will be opened up for them. They will be called, come from this gate, like Abu Bakr anhu. He will be called from every gate of Jannah. Enter Jannah through this gate. Enter Jannah through this gate. But these people, they'll be refused entry. وَكَذَلِكَ نَجْزِ الْمُجْرِمِينَ And thus do we recompense the criminals. Meaning, this is no injustice to them. This is not that Allah is not being merciful to them. Allah is not showing any kindness to them. No. It is because these people deserve this. Because they committed crimes, and this is a recompense that they deserve for their crimes. So where will they end up? Lahum for them, min jahannam from hellfire, mihadun a bed, an abode, wamin fauqihim and from above them, gawashin coverings. Wakadalika najizilwalimin. And thus do we recompense the wrongdoers. Mihad is from the root letters mimhadal and mahd is a cradle, or you can say it is a place where a person sleeps. A place where a person rests on. Okay? It could be a bed. It could be a mattress. It could be the floor. Anything that a person sleeps on, he rests on, that is what mihad is. So imagine, for them, their bed is what? Fire. Where will they rest for eternity? Where will they lie down for eternity? Where will they remain for eternity? What will be under them for eternity? Hellfire. Hellfire. What will always remain beneath them? Fire. Has it ever happened to you that you're standing on ground that is extremely cold? extremely cold that perhaps you have to run into the garage in winter to put something and you're not wearing your shoes and you're not wearing your socks. So you just step on the cold floor for barely a second, for barely a few moments. What happens? Your feet, they freeze. They become so cold. You feel the cold inside your bones. And how long were you exposed to the cold? For a few seconds, for a few moments. Imagine if a person's barefoot was to remain on that cold 
freezing floor for five minutes, for half an hour, for one hour, for five hours, for one day, what would happen to that foot? And imagine if it was not cold floor, rather it was fire. Fire. Has it ever happened that you're cooking something and your hand gets exposed to the fire directly? That perhaps the pan is very small and as you're putting something inside, the heat, it gets to your arm and that's only for a few moments and that's not even direct fire. لَهُمْ مِنْ جَهَنَّمَ مِهَاد Their bed, their floor will be what? Fire. وَمِنْ فَوْقِهِمْ غَوَاشِ And from above them, coverings of fire. غَوَاشِ is the plural of غَاشِيَ غَيْنْ شِينْيَ What is غَاشِيَ? That which is from above, that which covers from above, because غَشِيَ is what? غِشَاوَ is what? Covering. So what will cover them? The covering over them will be what? A fire. How many coverings? How many blankets? How many layers? One, two, more. Because it's غَوَاشِ Fire beneath them, fire above them. Layers and layers of fire surrounding them from above and below. Is this injustice? No. Because وَكَذَلِكَ نَجْزِ الظَّالِمِينَ This is a recompense for who? Those who do ظلم. In Surah At-Tawbah, Ayah 49, وَإِنَّ جَهَنَّمَ لَمُحِيطَةٌ بِالْكَافِرِينَ Hellfire is going to encompass those who disbelieve. In Surah Al-Zumur, Ayah 16, لَهُمْ مِنْ فَوْقِهِمْ ظُلَلْ مِنَ النَّارِ وَمِنْ تَحْتِهِمْ ظُلَلْ They will have canopies of fire above them and canopies of fire below them. Surrounded by fire from above and below. And this is a recompense for their ظلم, for their injustice. What was the injustice that they committed? Go back to the beginning of the ayah. What was the injustice that they committed? إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا وَإِسْتَكْبَرُوا عَنْهَا It seems like it's only two sins. But it's a big deal. Rejecting the verses of Allah, being arrogant towards the verses of Allah, is not a small thing. It's a very serious crime. It's a crime that takes a person to hell. How is it that people show pride and arrogance towards the ayat of Allah? How? It's necessary to know so that we can stay away from it because the consequences are very serious. What is arrogance towards the verses of Allah? I already mentioned not accepting them. What else is included in this? Trying to prove it wrong. What else? Okay, trying to justify that what contradicts it is right. Yes. Mocking at them. Not following it. All of this is pride and arrogance towards the ayat of Allah. Remember the definition of kibr that I told you? Batarul haq wa nas. Refusing the truth. That the truth is clear, yet a person doesn't accept it. Yes. When you're ghabar, for example, like it can be anything that intoxicates you. It doesn't need to be alcohol. So mis- misinterpreting the verses, right? Saying that they mean something, whereas, again, this is what? Fabricating a lie against Allah, right? So pride towards the verses of Allah, it means that a person doesn't humble himself before the verses of Allah. Tell me, if a person refuses 
to read the verses of Allah. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it. What is that? What is that? I'm talking to you. Tell me, what is that? If a person says, no, I'm not going to read it. Would you call it pride or something else? Because what is it that could prevent a person from reading? What? It's either shyness, hmm? or it is, what? Ignorance, okay? And what else? Okay, the thing is that when you recite, okay, when you are reciting the verses of Allah, and you feel you don't know, and based on this feeling, you say, I'm not going to recite it. I don't know how to read it, so I'm not going to read it. If I read, I'm going to make a mistake, and that's too embarrassing, so I'm not going to read. That shyness is actually what? Pride. That I don't want that people find out that I don't know how to recite the Qur'an. It's too humiliating. So I'm not going to read in front of people ever. It's apparently shyness, but in reality, what is it? It's pride. And if a person doesn't read, he doesn't try, he doesn't learn, then how is he going to get better? In order to improve recitation, in order to learn how to recite, you have to make mistakes. This is why the ulama, they said, that al-ilmu yadi'u bain al-haya'i wal-kibr. Knowledge is wasted, meaning a person doesn't get to learn. Because of shyness and because of pride. So not reading the verses of Allah saying that I don't know how to read, I don't want to sound like a fool, I sound really strange when I try to say ayn or ha, and I can't recite that fast, it doesn't matter. Read anyway. Read anyway. So what if the people sitting around you find out that you don't know how to read? You know what is worse? That Allah knows we don't know how to read still. So what if the person sitting next to us finds out that we read a word wrong, we made a mistake in our recitation? You know what? Allah knows. And we should be more shy before Allah instead of being shy before people. So pride should not prevent us from learning the recitation of the Qur'an, from learning the meaning of the Qur'an. And if we're not learning, if we're not reading out of pride, then this is a serious, serious problem. Exactly. Yes. When you will try, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it easier. And alhamdulillah, all of us are in such a safe environment that the people who are around us are adults like us. Similar in age, right? There are people who have had to sit amongst children in front of a Qur'an teacher in order to learn how to recite. Tell me, how embarrassing would it be for a man with a beard sitting next to boys that are half his age, that are as old as his kids, and he's sitting in front of the same teacher trying to learn how to recite the Qur'an. Pride is not preventing him. And he will manage to learn, inshaAllah. But if we are not trying, then it's our ego that's preventing us. And it's really depriving us of great khair. Recitation. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا وَاسْتَكْبَرُوا عَنْهَا لَا تُفَتَّحُ لَهُمْ أَبْوَابُ السَّمَاءِ 
لا تفتح لهم أبواب السماء ولا يدخلون الجنة حتى يلج الجمل في سم الخياط وكذلك نجزي المجرمين لهم من جهنم مهاد ومن فوقهم غواش وكذلك نجزي الظالمين 